0: all you cool cats and kittens. No, it's not Carol Baskins, but it is yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show. So, speaking of cool cats, before we get started with today's episode, I have to tell you about our fantastic new sponsor. That's right, you know him, you love him. It is our friends over at the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, the Lions of Liberty is the greatest libertarian variety show on earth, featuring three unique shows with three unique hosts. Their flagship show on Mondays is hosted by a friend of our show, Mark Clare, featuring interviews with leaders in the Liberty movement, round table discussions, debates, and more. More recently, Mark's been focusing on personal development and self-growth, featuring some familiar names like, I don't know, Jason Stapleton or Gary Collins. Wednesdays feature Electric Liberty Land, a weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty hosted by the hilarious and acerbic Brian McWilliams. And on Friday, we have Felony Friday, which is a weekly look at the broken criminal justice system hosted by John Odermatt, featuring inspiring stories from those who've overcome incredible injustice and adversity. So head over to your favorite podcast catcher and hit that subscribe button to Lions of Liberty, and then let Mark and the rest of the pride know that Brian Nichols here at The Brian Nichols Show set you. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh,
1: Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the
0: We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Wednesday, folks. It's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and yes, you are in store for another phenomenal episode with another phenomenal guest. And this is a familiar guest, as I am joined today by our friend of the show, Sam Jacobs from Ammo.com. Now, obviously, as you can guess by his uh, title uh, over at Ammo.com, he is uh, looking at the second to uh gun rights. Um namely uh Joining today to discuss what will happen to those gun rights if uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are elected president and vice president. So, uh, first, what we do is we discuss uh, number one, uh, (laughs) Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in the debates, because um, we actually really didn't have any uh, conversation uh, with any guests uh, to discuss the debates. So uh, we kind of dug into that a little bit, but then uh, focusing more specifically on Joe Biden's policies as it pertains to guns. um, You know, looking at like smart guns, banning um, outright banning some uh, different magazines and such, uh, and then just kind of discussing in general the the future of what a Biden presidency would look like to the alternative being that of like a Trump presidency and kind of looking at what's happened over the past four years as a metric to uh, to measure what would happen in the next four years uh with Trump going forward as well. So it's it's a great conversation as always. Do me a favor. Uh make sure you you strap in for a great episode, share with many friends afterwards. But with that being said, on to the show. Sam Jacobs returning to the Brian Nichols show. Hey man, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Well, man, we have a lot of stuff going on right now, eh? Uh it's uh going down to the wire. We're recording here on October 1st. The presidential election—it's like what, thirty-four-ish, thirty-three-ish days away. Um, and I mean, my God, man, we we just uh, watched a couple days ago the uh, <laughs> the presidential debate, and it was um, it was something to say the least. No. Um, um.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. Like, you know, I am probably different than a lot of your listeners in that um, I absolutely love the president, and I love him when he's kind of at his worst, I guess. Is the best way to put it like one thing I used to say to my friends during the 2016 election was I love it when he lies because like is it a lie if nobody believes you it's like it stands a George Costanza thing on its head but like you know if I tell you that I'm made out of green cheese am I lying to you because I'm obviously not you know <laughs> um, but I thought he I, I thought he did really well um, if anybody is a boxing fan. Um I usually use wrestling analogies for politics but this is a this was a boxing moment. He was a swarm fighter. He was a he was a close in, you know, like taking shots on the chin and just not giving Biden any room to maneuver. Um I think he went a little too far in that direction, but only a little. I think that there were a couple of moments where he should have let Biden speak and hang himself. But look, I mean here's the thing, right? Biden's whole shtick during this campaign has not been, oh, gee, I'm a kindly old grandpa that you need to take it easy on. It's been no, I'm still razor sharp. I'm still a fighter. And yeah. Trump just dis- absolutely destroyed that. I mean, they were like the Democrats are so demoralized after this, which multiple times watching. I was like, is is the purpose of this just to demoralize Biden voters Um, If it was, I think it worked. I mean, supposedly Nancy Pelosi hasn't slept in two days. So, you know, I I thought it was I thought it was
0: great. It's interesting. I'm I'm getting mixed reviews across the board. I'm hearing some folks who said that Trump did really, really well. I'm hearing some folks say that Biden did really, really well. I'm hearing that people say that that both did terrible and some folks saying that they both held their own. And and honestly, I, I, I think we hear a lot of people saying, well, America lost. And I'm thinking, well, you know, we kind of get what we deserve. I don't think we necessarily have lost <laughs> yeah. anything, truly. Uh, but yeah. but certainly, I mean, right now, from a policy standpoint, now, Sam, for folks who, who didn't hear your first episode here in the Brian Nichols show back, I think it was actually last year at this point, um, you joined the show to discuss the Second Amendment. You're from uh, Ammo.com, and you focus, obviously, a lot on Second Amendment uh, discussion, policy, um, and, and the right to bear arms. And right now, as we head into the 2020 election, I – I'm surprised, kind of, that we're discussing the Second Amendment as seriously as we are. But it seems that the Second Amendment is on everybody's mind, almost exclusively for the fact of everything that's happened from May going forward, and that starts with the the George Floyd protests that led into um, these 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 riots and looting, and and it devolved very quickly in some of these instances. You look at cities like Portland and and uh, Seattle, to be you know specific, when you look at like the Antifa folks out there. And taking over pretty much entire cities. And we saw gun sales now going through the roof. And it's interesting because I think a lot of folks who would be traditional advocates for gun control are actually some of the folks now who are saying, huh, how, how do I buy a gun again? Uh, when they go to you know ask their, their conservative uncle or whatnot. So Sam, we've seen a different approach, I think, to the Second Amendment than we did in years past. What's been your perspective as someone who writes policy, uh, you know, articles and such uh, about 2A and in supporting 2A policy? Uh, you know, looking at where we are as a country, has the the tone of the, the discussion changed?
1: I don't know that the tone of the discussion has changed, but the but the mass buying of firearms and ammunition starts even before the church of uh, Saint Floyd gets started in may it was in march that this started and it started with the COVID lockdowns i mean i went to go buy a handgun right after the the you know mm-hmm. lockdowns Good point. started because you know like it's it's it who needs an excuse to buy a, another weapon uh <laughs> not me but i'll i'll take one when i can see it and so i went and got one and it was like you know it made post sandy hook Uh, Bushmaster, you know, scramble looked like nothing. I mean, the, 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 the Nick system was all clogged up, um, everything. So I don't know, like, you know, I, it's in terms of like the discussion, I don't know, because like about the only place where I ever run into people that I talk about issues with on a one-to-one level is like the gym or the gun range. And these, (laughs) places are both full of dudes who really like guns. Um what I think is worth kind of bringing up is that gun owners are like, you know, are, are 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 the most reliable voter uh group for the Republican Party and now there's 5 million new ones. So the question is, will they vote like gun owners or will they vote like liberals? And this is all, you know, you can apply this to like all the mass exodus from California. Are they going to vote like Californians or have they learned anything? Um, I think that, you know, there will be many who will continue to vote like liberals, despite the fact that they own guns now. And despite the fact that Joe Biden wants to take your guns away like this is this is I mean, we the NRA called it the most radical um, anti gun platform in American history. Um, I don't think that that's hyperbolic at all. I think that that's pretty right on the money. And you got to keep in mind that, um, you know, Joe and I use Joe to refer to his like campaign because I don't think that Joe Biden is a functioning human being anymore. And I don't like, it's not a joke. It's not funny to me. It's elder abuse, but I'll use, I'll just use Joe to like refer to the, you know, the puppet masters of this, uh, campaign. You know, they're, they're basically like going to pivot off of the 1994 ban on so-called assault weapons and really, really beef it up. So this is like, you know, this is the moment that everyone has been waiting for in terms of American politics. And, I think that the Biden Harris campaign or the Harris Biden campaign or however you want to look at it uh it, it is very much a, a threat to the second amendment as we know it in this country.
0: So I I have to play devil's advocate here, right? Cuz we are of course a libertarian leaning podcast and and with that uh you know we have some folks who are going to argue for the the more republican approach saying, "But Sam, you know, or I'm sorry, more of a Democrat side of things they say, but Sam, but look at, look at Trump. Trump has, you know, he's gone against a bump a bump stock ban or he went in, I'm sorry, in favor of bump stock bans. Um, you know, what do you say? Uh, He would rather get the guns first, then talk about due process. So, I mean, if I'm playing devil's advocate, you're looking at Trump. Is he exactly a friend to 2A or are you arguing more so that, that Biden's more of a threat?
1: Well, I think Biden's more of a threat. I don't know. I don't know to what degree, Uh, The president is a friend of the Second Amendment. And I certainly wouldn't like die on the hill of, you know, putting him up as some kind of Second Amendment uh, warrior. Um, I I don't think that would be I mean, he's from New York. Right. Like, I think that he kind of probably has a lot of uh, views of firearms ownership that are more or less typical of of New York City. uh, People who live in New York City. Um, I don't think that. There's any chance. Well, I don't you know, there's a chance of anything, but I don't think that there's like a reasonable fear that, for example, the president is going to start a gun registration list. Um, I don't think that there's any reasonable fear that the president will use the federal government to pressure states into passing red flag laws. I don't think that there's any reasonable fear that the president is going to enact a uh, through executive fiat mind. A three hundred dollar per magazine tax on any magazine holding more than ten rounds. I just mm-hmm. don't think that these are. I just don't think these are reasonable fears. And look, like I don't I, like like I, I I tend to be very nuanced about these things. Like I don't really care about bump stocks, but I didn't renew my NRA membership because they wouldn't go to bat for them. Because it's like, why am I going to give my money to you guys? Right. Yeah. You know, why am I going to give my money to somebody who's not going to go to the mat for my right to own to own this thing that I don't even want to own? Um. So, so I, I'm sympathetic to these to these arguments, but I just think you know, it's 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 just night and day. I mean, especially in this case, it's not even like he's running against some kind of like you know business as usual uh, Democrat. And even then, I think that it would be a stretch to say a pox on both on both your houses um but this is this is a very very radical um anti i mean he wants biden wants to require all gun manufacturers to eventually manufacture only smart guns
0: let's let's uh, he wants i was gonna say let, let's actually dig into that right i want to actually dig specifically into some of the things because you're you're obviously you're well versed into this so let's me look at biden now right here you're talking about smart guns right so that's number one let's go through this list what are some of the the the, maybe we'll say infringements to 2a coming from the biden campaign if, if he's elected in 2020
1: do you buy anything for your guns online because you won't be able to when joe biden is president and it's worth noting like all like much of this stuff isn't you know, oh, if we can get the bill passed. No, he's just going to use executive orders to do it. Um, He plans to use the National Firearms Act to, you know, he thinks that he can just use this. He wants to uh, give the FDA jurisdiction over firearms. Um, He wants to, uh, what's the other alphabet thing that he wants to do? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a whole, like, kind of laundry list of stuff. I mean, you know, you probably remember the 1994 uh, ban, or at the very least, you remember when it expired in 2004. Right? Um, he wants to, you know, they want to bring that back and and uh, and kind of beef it up. You know, knowing what knowing what we know now about how ineffective it was, um, they want to use that to inform a new. Uh, Firearm assault weapons ban. Um, anytime I use a phrase like smart guns or assault weapons, just like assume the scare quotes around it. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just using it for convenience. Um, but you know, he wants to let the FDA do what he wants to uh, make uh, make it so that gun manufacturers are, are can be held liable in civil court. Um, this is another one of these. You know, oh well, we can't get it done through the legislature, and we can't get it done through um we 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 can't we can't get it done through due process of law, so we're just gonna use the private sector to like bully um all the courts, I guess in this case you know to bully the private sector out of manufacturing weapons that anyone like you and I can buy um you know all of this is i think deeply troubling on a level that say even um the Obama administration that he served in. Was not. I mean, I can't think of like, I can't think of anybody in my lifetime who was quite so anti-gun, except maybe for uh, Kamala Harris, whose name I, I may be pronouncing incorrectly. I don't frankly care, um, <laughs> but she, uh, you know, she, uh, she wrote an amicus brief in the District of Columbia v. Heller, which where she stated that she didn't think that a ban on Private ownership of handguns violated the Second Amendment. Um, well
0: she's more of a threat. I, I would argue she's kind of more of like that that dark horse, Trojan horse candidate, right? She's kind of she's there behind the scenes. And she's even said during the, the um the primaries that she would go ahead via executive order and she would, you know, go and, and take the guns away that way if in name a national emergency. And I think I mean I'm just gonna say it same. I think looking at what Trump's kind of done with these his you know continuing the executive orders it's only exacerbated the ability for when the, the time inevitably is going to come right that a democrat is going to be in the white house again that they're going to use a lot of these precedents that unfortunately trump has continued um and saying well this is why we're going to do it because it's a national emergency and and that she i mean i say she's the dark horse candidate because she's literally there in the background she has like the, the plans like she will go out of her way to to implement these policies you know by by hell or high water um and she's She's, like, really an activist, I would say, at this point in her career versus, you know, a, a good-faith actor or a good-faith elected official, uh, you know, and she let, – let's be real, Elf in the Room. She's never really been a true good-faith actor. She She's pretty much been, you know, a very two-faced politician and, in her case, attorney general or prosecutor um, in, in California. So, you know, looking at Harris specifically, is there anything from a policy standpoint that really is a red flag to you, Sam, you know, in the, in event, and and I think it's a very real thing we have to consider that Biden doesn't make it his first term, whether he, he resigns halfway through his term or, or, you know, the, 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 the worse uh, option, um, you know, if we were to see a president Harris, what would be some major red flags from her perspective? Well, I think that,
1: uh, first of all, I don't want to make it sound like I think that, you know harris is like the puppet master of this whole thing because i i, I don't i the frankly harris don't. I mean, she, may well, she, she may well be but i i kind of suspect not i mean i don't think that she's quite the i think she, I, you know much like liz warren i don't think that she's quite the savvy political operator that her her fan base seems to think that she is um uh, i don't think that you know any of the offices that she's run for have been particularly difficult to obtain. I think that she was kind of a, uh, a, you know, a fait accompli as vice president. Once Biden had secured the nomination through the various chicanery, uh, that he had. Um, I, and I also think that, you know, well, um, I think that the, if the, if the Republicans are able to win this election, I think that the chances of the, uh, um, First of all, I think they will win. I think they'll win quite uh, by quite you a substantial so? margin. I think that I think that the president is going to win states that people did not think it was possible to, for Republicans to win. See, anymore. I'm
0: hearing that more yeah. and more frequently. I'm hearing that, so like- and I don't mean
1: like California um, or New York, though. I think California is frankly more going to be closer. I don't know if it's in in play, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think that it is. Um, I mean, I keep a running tally of like how many Biden Harris. Signs, stickers, shirts, et cetera, that I see. Um, I've seen 14. I see about that many Trump flags in a given day. Um, you know, and I as people may remember, like I move, you know, all over the place. Um, I just don't see any, you know, lots of people don't want Donald Trump to be president, but I've never met a single human being. Who wants Joe Biden to be president? That's yeah. Um, You you
0: can't vote for a negative, and like this. this, And so in sales, right? If you're selling with a negative, you're leading with a negative. You're you're instantly in in a disadvantageous position because you're you're. Already competing against a negative sentiment, right? It, you want people in a positive mindset when they're they're right. making a decision. So if if you're feeling positive positive in voting for for Trump, then that's going to be more of a uh, you know a positive thing for Trump going into the election day because he's going to have that positive sentiment. But like to your point, nobody's enthusiastically voting for Joe Biden to vote for Joe Biden. They're voting against Trump, and that's two very different things. And people are like bananas about trump i mean and
1: and i i was traveling around the country in 2016 and i remember just thinking like man there's a lot of trump signs like maybe he really will win but now it's like it's 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 like i mean i've i've seen multiple trump flag truck convoys driving around and like i just the enthusiasm for him is uh like nothing again like nothing i've ever seen before um i put a lot of it down to the like you know pivot tour of the of just the republican party generally towards a more kind of blue collar aesthetic and 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 pitching their um you know, party more, more toward that than appealing to this very, very milk toast brand of Chamber of Commerce, Paul Ryan, Opportunity Society, types of uh, conservatism that obviously dominated in the years before Trump. Uh, I mean, and, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I just, and I don't want to discourage anybody from going out and voting against Joe Biden, whatever that may mean for you. Um, and I don't want to be like overly confident in that direction because i do think that the threat of joe biden as president of the united states is like not just a threat to the second amendment but but all of the ones that you like um it's certainly a threat to the first amendment um it's you know kamala harris is very anti-first amendment um i i do not think that the rioting and civil unrest is going to abate at all i think that the fire is going to get turned up um i think that you know things like some kind of chinese style social credit system are very much in play um i think that yeah you know i mean getting back to the second amendment thing i think that there will be not a federal red flag law but i think that the federal government will basically bully all 50 states into adopting red flag laws um
0: can I ask you, you know, a question I, to that? Because I'm actually, sure. I'm, I'm kind of curious because you're, you're speaking to the fears I hear. And then I'm, I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. Do you think that there's come a point though, where, I mean, you're going to have States like, like a Texas, right. Or, I mean, you named the flyover state. That's going to be just like, no, th- th- absolutely not. And I think there's going to come a certain point where that, like there is a line. And when you start to have DC putting out these edicts for, Utah, Wyoming, Arkansas, I just, number one, I don't see the means for the federal government to enforce that in the, the way that they, they think they can, but number two, I just don't see these states standing up for it, or, in you know, predominantly these, like, traditional red states, do you think that this could lead to, you know, <laughs> lead to either a, I hope not a, a you know, violent conflict, or... Maybe a more return towards like this federalist approach to governing and more of a dissolution of the the size and scope of the federal government?
1: Well, it took uh, it took the federal government 25 years to bully Louisiana into raising the drinking age to 21, but they eventually did it. Uh, I eventually I think that uh, no, I don't. I think that I think that there's a chance that states will resist it. But I think that states will comply pretty quickly once they're told that they're going to start losing federal funding for X, Y, and Z. Um, I, you know, I I don't really put a lot of stock into these kind of like fantasies that there's going to be some, you know, go get the pitchforks and torches response. Oh no, and I don't want um, that either. Um, I think
0: that's that's like one of the worst case scenarios because that's going to be like that's sure. bad, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean we we just did it on the Resistance Library podcast at Ammo dot com. We just did. Uh, we literally just yesterday recorded something about the, the about like fourth generation warfare as it relates to uh, civil unrest and potential civil war in the United States. And I ended it with just like, if you have these like rah-rah civil war fantasies, like why don't you spend a day reading Wikipedia articles about what the Yugoslav war was like? And then tell and then come tell me what you think about like how awesome a civil war is gonna be, or like what the Lebanon War was like. Um so I I I really find those types of fantasies to be distasteful. But in terms of state power resisting, um it could happen, but I think that what you would need is you would need states, you would need governors. I mean I think there would be some posturing. You know, I know for sure there'll be some posturing, but what's gonna happen when they say, well we're yanking your federal highway funds. Or which is how they got Louisiana to comply on the on the on the drinking age, right? Yep. Or we're right. yank, yanking your funds for uh, what whatever you know. Pick pick your favorite or least favorite program. Um, I think that you know there that the, that states will begin um, complying rather quickly. There may be a holdout or two, but I think that much in the case of Louisiana and the drinking age, it'll be a pretty. um, token resistance i mean the federal government is extremely powerful particularly with regard to state governments you know and you don't have to think that that's a good thing to acknowledge that it's that it simply is so
0: so let me ask you this because we watch with the COVID 19 lockdowns there was some pushback at the start um after a few months i mean i think for the first couple weeks or a month or so maybe ballpark there your average person was like okay like 15 days to to slow the spread. We don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system. Like, I get it. We'll do our part. And then it turned into, like, months. And people started to really question the motives of their elected officials and we saw, Sam, people start to say, no, no, we're not doing this. And you saw, you know, in, in Michigan, for example, the, there was a group of, of armed um, protesters who, you know, stood silently at the, the uh, Capitol building. Um, out in Virginia, you had issues with Northam, um, you know, same exact kind of situation. So we see that there are instances where the government pushes a little too far. And <laughs> I say a little too far very right. loosely. Um, and people do react and, and say, no, hold on, time out. We, we, we are you know, not only are we constituents, but we also are, are armed and we are def- you know, able to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government in the need be. Uh, we don't want that. Nobody wants that. But I think that does at least remind some folks in government that, hey, you know, we have 330 million people in America and we have, what, double that number of guns. Um, So, you know, just know what you're getting yourself into in the event that we want to go to this level. And I would say, you know, looking at the federal uh, government, your average local sheriff, like, they don't want to enforce federal government re- uh, regulations or, or yeah. edicts, right? Like, do you think that maybe there's hope in that kind of, like, local, like, like your local sheriff saying, like, nah, like, we're not I doing would this.
1: Put, I would put much more stock into she- into county sheriffs non-complying. Right. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, I don't want to put, like, any particular place that I go to on blast here, but, like, um, I have been in states with, you know uh i've been in i've been in i've been places where gun laws were being openly flouted uh and i'm like man aren't you worried about that and they're like sheriff's in here all the time um so yeah i and and like i mean you know the state of connecticut is also like a really good example like the post sandy hook laws are routinely flouted in uh connecticut you know they're just mostly ignored especially if you Hmm. live uh in unincorporated county land so uh, i think that that is i find that to be a more realistic scenario because that's less about you know kind of blustering for cameras and then uh being a weasel the second that your your funds get cut off and more just kind of like you know sheriffs are i mean i have a I have, I have kind of a, you know, a, a good opinion of sheriffs and a like, um, I don't want to say I even have a negative opinion of cops. It's just like, the thing I always say is what is the Charles Bukowski quote. I don't hate cops. I just feel better when they're not around. I'll just do like pretty much anything to avoid interacting with, um, law enforcement, you know, police officers. Um, but you know, like good good and bad apples kind of thing but sheriffs like the peace officer model that sheriffs use i usually go to bat for it rhetorically um they're also elected they're elected to short terms um, if you're in you know arkansas or, or montana and you know there's like there's like twelve thousand people in your county you know the sheriff is like some guy you went to high school
0: with exactly so
1: it's not like they're they're sitting up uh, up on high like, you know, the, the, the police commissioner of New York City or something. Um, you can run into them at the diner and say, hey, you know, what the hell, man? Uh, so I think that, that, that you know, I'm, I'm just in general, I'm a big fan of local local power as opposed to more centralized and higher up power uh, in part because it's much more responsive and i think that that is much more likely that you're going to see county sheriffs refusing to enforce the law that doesn't mean every single one is going to but there's you know how many thousand county sheriffs in this country and if like you know 10 percent of them just say we're not doing it that's going to give I don't know, 20 percent, more, twenty an additional 20 percent, a bit more backbone because it's hard to take the first step. But once somebody else has done it and then once a big group of people has done it and then once an even bigger group of people has done it, it becomes much easier to kind of resist these sorts of things. And I think that county sheriff's departments have a pretty good um, track record of not just sort of, tacitly not enforcing these uh tyrannical anti-second amendment laws which i do think they have a good record on but also just very publicly saying like i mean everyone has seen you know i'm guessing everyone who listens to this has seen videos of sheriffs just saying we're not enforcing this you know the state legislature in virginia or wherever can pass whatever law they like we're not going to enforce it it's the you know the uh the old andrew jackson thing of uh you know, okay, Supreme Court made a decision. Well, I've got an army and you don't, so you go ahead and try and make me do something. Um, and sheriffs, I think, have a similar uh, relationship to state legislatures that they don't want to obey. It's like, okay, well, send out the uh, the Virginia State Legislature's uh, law enforcement wing. Oh, wait, you don't have one.
0: Well, then they, they leverage uh, state police, right? <laughs> it's like we've Right, got- I mean, they can...
1: They can leverage state, they can leverage state police, but I think that, you know, I think that it's even, yeah, sure. But I mean, then you get into like, you know, cop versus cop kind of jurisdictional issues and like, um, you know, state police are like, I don't think, um, you know, my, my experience with state police is mostly like seeing them on the highway, you know, I don't think that they're like, they're like, um,
0: they're revenue you know, collectors. It's sad. I, I have some right, f- friends right. who are who are New York State police, and you know, I joke with them. I say, you know, how fitting is it? And I drive into New York State from Pennsylvania that I'm instantly greeted at the New- welcome to New York State sign by a, a state trooper sitting there waiting to catch me speeding, so he can he can take money from me. Like that's that's pretty much my my experience with state troopers, and it's sad because there is a meme I remember seeing. It's like, you know, I resent the fact that when I see the lights turn red, white, and blue behind me that I get nervous instead of feeling protected. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's unfortunately the the, the relationship that a lot of people have, have really had, not only just with police in general, but I would say in some cases with, you know, their their local, you know, sheriffs or what have you. And you know, part of it is I think we we need to have a different conversation when it comes to policing, and, and to your point, having that more local sense of, you know, you actually could see the you know the, the police officer at the the diner, right? Like he's a person that you know that he's a part of your community. And then like the ramifications are real. Like you can't just go on a whim and, and like, you know, make some crazy policy or rather, you know, not implement or implement a crazy policy. Like you have a responsibility to go out of your way and make sure that you're doing, you know, you're doing your, your role. You're doing what you were, your, your constitutional duties. So, you know, with that being said, Sam, unfortunately we're already to the point where <laughs> we're half an hour. Um, So I wanted to kind of wrap up here, right? We're we're looking at the 2020 election and I think, a lot of folks, they're they're anxious, they're nervous, um, because they don't know, you know, what the, the future is going to hold. Will, will Trump, you know, if you're a Democrat, will will Trump go full dictator, right? Or if you're a Republican, will we have um some, you know, some uh, Kamala Harris, you know, in the future take over Joe Biden and then turn us into some socialist or communist, uh, you know, hellscape? And that's that seems to be that the focus that people have. What's the more realistic approach? And let's kind of maybe really focus on the lens of. Not just how we're going to be as a country, but also through the lens of able to interact with one another on a more personal, uh, you know, person to person basis.
1: Um, I don't think that the fears of a Biden Harris administration are the 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 more extreme fears of a Biden Harris administration. I don't think that those are at all unfounded. I do think that it's that that what we're looking at if they're uh, elected is a fundamental transformation of the United States as we know it. I think that um, if you live in a nice, safe neighborhood, you can kiss that goodbye because safe neighborhoods are racist. Uh, If you own guns, I think that you can kiss those goodbye. Um, You know, I think that all of the awful, petty, little, mediocre tyrants who have been uh, emboldened by the COVID panic, I think think that type of thing is only going to get Uh, worse. I think that the rioting is probably going to come to your, I mean, Lancaster, Pennsylvania and Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is not San Francisco and Seattle. Um, so I, I think that that is probably, uh, coming to your neighborhood. Uh, if it hasn't already, um, I think that the court will be packed. Uh, I think that all of these things are very, very founded fears that people have. I think that people are very, very um, right to be afraid of the Democrats regaining the presidency. The good news is, I don't think that they have much chance of getting it. Um, But I think that people should be very afraid of a Biden presidency, specifically because of the fact that he is, by all outward appearances, not all there Um, I think that Biden is basically the car's eye of the United States. I think that there are a number of, uh, corporate and political puppet masters that are controlling this campaign who see his kind of like infirmity as this opportunity to have a pliant figurehead and get all kinds of things done in this country that they otherwise, uh, wouldn't get, you know, so like if you want, uh, If you want Amazon Prime to be uh, running the country and deciding what you can and can't read and what you can and can't and Twitter and Facebook deciding what you can and can't say, then by all means, go vote for Joe Biden, because all of those types of forces are waiting in the wings to destroy the American way of life in a way that we will probably never get back. On the other hand, I think that, you know, I think that President Trump. You know, I don't think that he's been like great in a in a in a positive sense of getting things done. I do count myself basically as 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 somebody that you would call a political trumpist, um, like in the sort of um, American mind uh, or Claremont Institute kind of like way of thinking about the world. I wish that he had done more and gotten more of more of why I voted for him accomplished. But I think that in terms of like preventing the absolute worst people. in america from ruining your life i think he's done a pretty good job of that yeah and i do think that uh i do think that he deserves credit where it's due on that i think that the bully pulpit that he's used to defend average americans from people who want to uh turn this country into venezuela or south africa um i think that he's done a really good job of preventing them from hassling you more than they even would have if, you know, the president were on their side. And that's where it really, you know, that's why for me it's like, it's 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 kind of a no-brainer to me. I know there's a lot of people here who are probably going to vote Libertarian and that certainly is their right to do so. And I'm not like foolish enough to think that I can argue them out of doing that in the like 30 seconds that we have left here. Um, but I do think that, you know, if if you are at all concerned about what about, about maintaining the like the, the the admittedly limited freedom that we still have left in this country post 9/11 post war on drugs uh, post FDR administrative state I think that the, I just don't see how there's any choice, but to make sure that Joe Biden isn't president because that's the end of it. They'll make Puerto Rico a state. They'll make DC a state. Um, that'll, that'll be it.
0: Oh man, there's so much happening here. Uh, and it, there's, it's, it's kind of a, it's scary, Sam, because there's so much going to be happening in a very short amount of time. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to keep a, keep a very uh, close eye to the, uh, not only the election, but also what's happening behind the scenes. And as always, you know, and we're going to have to make sure we're talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, we're going to have you get, uh, make sure you have to come back and talk about this stuff in detail um, as it happens. Now, obviously, you're busy uh, behind the scenes doing stuff of your own, uh, keeping content coming out over at Ammo.com. So you mentioned a podcast. So uh, let's let's tease the podcast there. And also, where can folks go ahead and follow all the work you're doing at Ammo.com?
1: Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Jacobs 45. I usually post links to the YouTube videos of our podcast. The podcast is called the resistance library. Uh, we talk about all kinds of different stuff there. I mean, it's not, it's not, um, I wouldn't say that it's even terribly focused on second amendment stuff. We do lots of second amendment stuff, but I mean, we just did one on, f- on uh, food subsidies that I think came out really well. Uh, we did one on what the actual difference between a constitutional Republican and a democracy is. So, so, I would urge people to 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 go give it a listen if you're interested in sort of more um, high level theoretical discussions than like kind of like you know news of the day stuff. Like, we don't really do that. We don't really do current events because everyone else does it. And um, so, yeah. And you can go to ammo dot com forward slash podcast and get twenty dollars off any order of two hundred dollars of ammunition or more. Um, so you know if you're having trouble finding ammunition. Come check it out and we'll help you until Joe Biden puts us out of business.
0: (laughs) Sam Jacobs, as always, a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Are
1: you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell all of my best-selling
0: books, the Simple Life series, going off the grid, living off the grid, and just flat-out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Sam Jacobs from Ammo.com. If you enjoyed the episode as much as I did, do me a favor, share with family and friends. Uh, be sure to go ahead and tag me wherever you share it, uh, at Liberty on Twitter, Facebook, and Minds.com. And also, if you could do me a favor, and if you enjoyed this episode, like I said, go over and give us a five-star rating and review. What's holding you back, folks? Head to Apple Podcast, five-star rating and review. And when you're done, go ahead and take a quick screenshot. Send that to me there at brian at Show.com to be entered into a super secret giveaway with one of our brand new sponsors, I cannot wait to uh, to tell you all about that, so make sure you go ahead and uh, send that review in ASAP, and uh, also folks I wanted to give you guys a big thank you, yes you guys have been fantastic in, in giving us some awesome guests uh, to have here on the Brian Nichols Show, so keep it up, I- I'm encouraging you, email me, brian at Show.com or email our awesome executive producer, behind the scenes extraordinaire Corey, uh, oh, Corey at Brian uh, what is this email? Corey at Show.com. I should know that Corey, sorry about that, uh, so yeah email Corey, Corey at Show.com or myself, Brian, at BrianNicholsShow.com with your guest ideas. Uh, and then what to look forward to coming up here on Friday, Judge Jim Gray. Yes, the judge is in, and we are discussing his new book, All Rise, the Libertarian Way, with Judge Jim Gray. It's a fantastic episode. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you tune in, yes, on Friday for The Brian Nichols Show. That being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Sam Jacobs from com. We'll see you Friday.
1: Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show.